Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Syracuse football bowl eligible for the first time since 2013. Meanwhile, Syracuse basketball less than a week away from the regular season. Loaded time here in Syracuse and a loaded Fizz Radio for you here on the Score 1260. J.D. Rachi alongside Jonathan Hoppy and Hop. This is an athletics program that right now is in a great spot. Football at 6-2, basketball number 16 in the country, football at number 19 in the country in the CFP poll. There is a lot to like if you're a Syracuse sports fan right now. Great time to be an Orange fan. Great time to live in Central New York. How exciting is this, J.D.? Every time this year it seems like, oh, it's basketball season. No, it's not basketball season. It's both football and basketball season. Two nationally ranked teams. Don't forget about the women's team either. They're nationally ranked, so a lot of good things right now. I'm just excited about November of football that actually matters. Can we see this team continue to climb that hill and get over the hump in the second half? That's what's got me excited. And then you look at the basketball team, plenty to talk about there, some good recruits that we'll get to later. We could go on for days. Well, they've gotten over the hump, the football team has, at least they did last week, 51-41, putting up a 50 spot on the 22nd-ranked NC State Wolfpack. And that was a game that was had a lot of question marks attached to it for Syracuse. You know, how good was the defense going to be? Didn't end up being that great against Ryan Finley, but Ryan Finley, Finley has tortured really good ACC defenses throughout the season. But the big question mark going into last week, was it going to be Eric Dungy or Tommy DeVito under center? I thought the whole way that it was going to be Dungy, I thought we might see DeVito a little bit more than we did, but that's because Eric Dungy erased all doubt in him as a quarterback. He had an absolutely stellar game, over 70% completion percentage, over 400 yards of passing, a whole slew of touchdowns. He looked like an absolute monster out there against the Wolfpack. He made Dino Babers look like an absolute genius. He made him look real good. And that's a good sign for Syracuse fans. We know that Tommy DeVito is going to be there next year. But Eric Dungy, where did he go during the middle of the season? You were saying that. I was saying that. Everybody was saying that. Then he gets pulled at North Carolina against North Carolina. Is this the time we see DeVito? No. Eric Dungy responds in a huge way. And how about the breaks that this team is getting? Because let's not kid ourselves here. They're a couple of plays away from being 4-4 four and four right now and sort of, here we go again, can they get to a bowl game? At Instead, the same time, though, they're also a couple of plays away from being 8-0. You know, they say a it's a game of inches, team. don't they? It's, this is a really weird Syracuse football team. Football is a game of inches. You look at that play against North Carolina. If DeVito doesn't put the ball in the money to Nikeem Johnson, who knows what happens? And there's a number of plays you could point to like that. They could be 4-4 four and four because I say if you don't beat North Carolina, you likely don't beat NC State. That right. game's there's probably some, a noon start. There's it's some completely sort of motivation different. factor that's not there for the NC State game, but really they just look dominant. Throughout that game, they went up early 24-7, to I think it was. So they had a 17-point lead. They let them come back, which is a little bit concerning. The defense didn't look as good as you'd like it to, especially the backside of that, especially that backside of that secondary, which is something I think Syracuse still needs to work on. But you've seen a couple of stars start to emerge over the last couple of weeks. And I want to start this talk because over the last few years, you've had 
Amba Edetawo two years ago and Steve Ishmael last year. You had a standout wide receiver on both of those teams that went four and eight. Now you don't really have that standout wide receiver. If you're going to call him a stand, if you're going to pick one standout, it'd probably be Jamal Custis. But this wide receiving core outside of Devin Butler has looked absolutely stellar all season long. You think Custis had a huge game against Western Michigan. Sean Riley has now had 260-plus yard games in receiving against UConn and then against NC State. Taj Harris looks great. Nikeem Johnson with a clutch touchdown against North Carolina, an 82-yard touchdown last week against NC State. This is a position that they are locked and loaded in for years to come. Wide receiver factory, right? Everyone jokes about punting, but guess what? Dino Babers is a wide receiver whisperer, if you will. And if you ask him about it, he won't tell you because he tries to keep that sort of thing in-house. Whatever he does works. I think it's the fast tempo, his receivers are conditioned, and maybe when they go up against those cornerbacks and those DBs of the other teams, they're just not ready for it because this team comes at you and they come at you quick. And when you have so many different receivers and can spread it around, rotate guys in, it's a deadly combination. I think we've seen that more so than we have in the past. Is usually, like you said, it's a Steve Ishmael and Amba Edatawu. But no, this year, while Custis is your guy, I mean, he's not quite there, All-American status. He's not going to be an All-American. Not at all. That's, but he is yeah. still the number one receiver. But you have those complementary pieces, and you mentioned the young guy, Nikeem Johnson, Taj Harris. Those guys are so exciting. Can't wait to see what this offense looks like with Ed Hendricks in the mix when he's back from injury. There's really a number of things. Then you throw in DeVito, who we know is maybe a better passer than Dungy on most days. Maybe not against NC State, but you never know. He looked, he looked fine against NC State. That's going to be... Drive. No, I'm saying Dungy was... Oh, yeah, Dungy was incredible. Dungy was incredible. I mean, the, the whole problem with Eric Dungy the week before against North Carolina was that he couldn't hit the long ball. He was putting balls either on the back shoulder when he was trying to go front shoulder. He was putting the balls too far out in front. He was leading his receivers too much. He was throwing them behind him. That Nikeem Johnson uh, that Nikeem Johnson touchdown was one of the prettiest balls I have ever seen Eric Dungy throw. I mean, it was Nikeem Johnson's a fast guy, so it's kind of tough to get him stride for stride because eventually he'll have to slow down. He got him perfect stride for stride right in the bread basket led him to the end zone. That was a perfect ball from Eric Dungy. But going back to the wide receivers, you look at this wide receiving core, and it was like, oh, well, how are we going to replace Amba? Well, Stephen Irv stepped up. Well, how are we going to replace Stephen Irv? whole bunch of guys well, now have a whole bunch up. of guys stepped up. And not only that, but they're all young. You talked about it. Nikeem Johnson, a sophomore. Taj Harris, a freshman. Then you got Sean Riley still with a year, a year of eligibility Why wouldn't left. you want to play football if you're a wide receiver? Why wouldn't you want to play football at Syracuse? There's no, I mean, you, there's unmitigated and incredible You're going to get touches, and you're going to have a quarterback, Tommy DeVito, and you figure there'll be someone else down the line, whoever that is. That's interesting to talk about, too. That's, about to, that's about to come in. I know we've got Chance Amy, a couple other guys. Who is that next big quarterback recruit? Because DeVito's got two more years left here, three more years. He is going to be set for the future, but then who do they get next? That's I'm getting way ahead of myself, but at this point, you have quarterbacks like Eric Dungy and Tommy DeVito. That's a high bar. It's a really high bar. And from what I've heard from uh, kind of being around the team at times is that Chance Amy is looking like an absolute stud. Like he's looking really good. He's more mobile than Tommy DeVito, and he has a cannon. He's not as accurate as DeVito. But you figure the way they're lining up right now, say DeVito stays all four years, which he is likely going to do. I don't really see him leaving after his junior year unless he's putting up Heisman-like numbers to go to the NFL draft. So say he stays for all of his eligibility, 
Chance Amy is only going to have one season as the Syracuse quarterback, and that one season could be something special. This is a really exciting offense to continue to watch as we move forward. It's good, too, because you've got Chance Amy there to put pressure on Tommy DeVito in the future. Because that's something we've seen with Dungy and DeVito. Those guys feed off of each other. And it's so fun to see them celebrate with each other. That's an actual quarterback tandem that fights for each other. And it's really fun to watch. It's so, like, the biggest thing that I saw, and something that a lot of people pointed out during that game, was when Dungy threw that perfect long ball to Nikeem Johnson, that 82-yard bomb. The first guy, the number one first guy before anybody else could get to him to congratulate Eric Dungy, Tommy DeVito, right off the bench, coming up, patting him on the butt, saying, great job, you did a, you, that was a fantastic throw. It's a brotherhood between them, the two of them. Eric Dungy's the older brother, the guy that's going to impart all the wisdom. It's almost like this is a big stretch here. But kind of that relationship we see between Cooper Manning and Peyton Manning. Cooper was the superstar. He was supposed to be the best out of all three Mannings. Of course, an injury derailed his entire football career in his freshman season at Ole Miss. But he was supposed to be the number one guy. Dungy, for a long time, was the number one guy. But then all of a sudden, the prodigy, and in this case, Tommy, and the other one, Peyton, kind of came up, and you saw them a mentorship kind of go through it. It's a little bit different because Cooper was a wideout and Peyton was a quarterback. But there's, there's some sort of big brother, little brother relationship between them that I really love. It's really fun, and it's really exciting to watch. These guys act like brothers, and like you said, that's so hard to find when you're at a college and competing for snaps. It's so it's so hard to find, but you know what? At the end of the day, what these guys understand is Eric Dungy is one of the best quarterbacks in this program's history, and DeVito respects that. If his number's called, he's going to step up, and he's going to make plays. That's all he knows to do. At the same time, Dungy knows that DeVito is the quarterback of the future, so if he's not performing... They're going to give the ball to him. That's what they did, but I can't say enough how much I loved what Dino Babers, how he handled that situation. He goes back to his guy. He knows that he's going to give him the best chance to win games down the stretch of this season, and if he delivered, he's going to keep him in. If not, they'll go to two quarterbacks. He delivered, and now he's your guy down the stretch. But that doesn't mean if he struggles against Wake Forest that DeVito is not going to be ready. He will be, and Dungy knows that. And this competition has just a lit a fire underneath both of their butts. It's a competition. Don't make any mistake. Week like to you week, said, it's a competition. Just because Dungy won out last week doesn't mean he'll win out today at, at Wake Forest. Right. I mean, we, we're not going to see who will be the starter with this game today against Wake Forest for another couple of hours here. But when we do, it is probably it's going Eric to be Dungy. Eric Dungy. It's going to be Eric Dungy. Make no mistake about it. But like you said... Syracuse, not even a fallback plan, but just a little spark plug that you ha- you can put in there with Tommy DeVito. This program, between Tommy DeVito and between the wide receivers and between the young defensive backs like Andre Sisco and Ifatu Melifanwu, they are looking like a really, really great program for years to come. Syracuse football is in great hands. We'll get to the matchup today between Syracuse and Wake Forest on the other side. You're listening to Fizz Radio on The Score 1260. Back here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260, J.D. Rachi alongside Jonathan Hoppy. Syracuse football coming up today, a matchup with Wake Forest at noon in just a couple of hours. A very interesting matchup because right now Syracuse is flying high. They're looking like one of the top three teams in the ACC, while Wake Forest is probably one of the lower-tier teams 
but is coming off a humongous win, an absolute thrashing of probably the worst team in the conference in Louisville. And Matt Colburn, the running back for Wake Forest, had a bit of a revenge game last week. Originally a Louisville commit, but then Bobby Petrino, the reins get passed over to him from Charlie Strong when he went on to Texas. Matt Colburn got his offer revoked from Louisville, and they said, nope, you're not coming here anymore, but the Petrino system doesn't want to offer you. So then he ends up going to Wake Forest, and he goes for over 200 yards of rushing last week. It's an interesting game for the Syracuse football team because, yes, they have looked good, so good offensively the last couple of weeks, but at the same time, they look pretty poor trying to stop the run defensively, and Colburn is the best offensive player Wake has. It's a strange situation for Syracuse because – from the way they played last week, you think, all right, they're going to blow out a Wake Forest team who can't stop anybody. But JD, Their defense is so bad. I mean, it, it is It's abysmal. not great. It is so terrible. And if you're thinking about teams in the ACC based off their defense, Wake Forest is right there at rock bottom. It's them and Louisville. Syracuse, though, is not that much higher. Right, that's the problem. So that's the problem in this matchup is because you have a potential – for a great offensive game from the Demon Deacons, which isn't necessarily unlikely. And then you have a Syracuse team who also could have a bad game offensively. If that happens, strange situation, Wake Forest could win. I'm not saying they're going to. I like Syracuse to win this game. But there are people out there, there are people who follow this team who have the Demon Deacons winning. So it's something to keep an eye on. I'm not saying they're going to, but I'm also not saying it's going to be a blowout. This should be a competitive game between two teams that can explode any given moment on offense. I so want to take Syracuse in a blowout win here. Number one, because I think that the Orange offense is just light years away from what Wake Forest can stop defensively. But I think at the same time, because Syracuse has had such difficulty stopping the run at times this season on the defensive side of the football, that they're going to let Wake Forest hang in this game. I'm still going to say it's a 2-3 to three score game at the end of the day, but at the same time, I think Wake Forest is going to hang in there. It's going to be about a one-possession game as we head into the fourth quarter. They're going to have their hometown, the hometown fans behind them in Winston-Salem. They're going to have a lot of good feeling. They just come off, came off a big win against Louisville. They're going to come out fighting in the early part. I think eventually Syracuse will outlast them and play a lot better than them. But at the same time, I think they can probably stay in this game longer than Syracuse fans might like. Yeah, it's a trap game, if you will, coming off two the big The fact wins. that we're talking about a trap game for Syracuse football is actually hilarious. It's and so cool. I don't know how funny it is when you think about if they lose this game. And well, I, I will tell you, at 6-2, and two, if they lose, I'm not worried. I'm not panicking. It's a game that you'd like to have to take the next step. But given everything... You've got to win one of these next two games with Louisville coming to town next week. But if you win both, all of a sudden you're 8-2 eight and, two eight and two. heading into Notre Dame at eight Yankee two, Stadium. Possibly a, Let that sink in. 8-2, and two, possibly a top 15, top 10 matchup with Notre Dame. Notre Dame right now, number four in the country according to the college football playoff poll. That's wild. I mean, it's actually it's really possible. It's actually possible. possible. You look at, you know, got to win today though. You you got to win against Wake Forest today undoubtedly. But at the same time, you have to have a couple of teams in front of you lose as well because a win against Wake Forest and a win against Louisville, we don't want to say they're consensus bottom two teams in the ACC, but they're in the bottom tier of the ACC certainly. Those aren't going to impress the playoff committee. 
But if you have a couple of teams falter in front of you, you have a couple of teams in the top 10 lose, and a couple of those 15 teams move a little bit further up, then you're looking at a couple of spots up for Syracuse, who already the committee already likes a lot, considering they're already up to 19 in the poll. So the committee already has some good feelings about this Syracuse football team. You look at a couple of wins, a couple of losses here and there for other teams, like I said, you could be talking about a top 15 matchup at Yankee Stadium. Think about how unbalanced the ACC is. The it's ACC is a crapshoot right now. It's silly because you're going to have a team like Virginia Tech who lost to Old Dominion how by about two Virginia? scores. Or Virginia. It's going to be probably could Virginia be in the ACC or Virginia Tech game. in the ACC championship. It, it's ridiculous. First of all, hats off to Bronco Mendenhall if that happens. Yeah, but if Syracuse was in the Coastal, They'd be, you know, all the talk right now, okay, what's the path to Charlotte? Well, right. there is none and because it's not of Clemson. Even, and it's not even because they're on the Atlantic side. If you're on the coastal side, then you don't have to play Clemson every year. Then you don't have to play don't Louisville say Florida State. every year. You don't have to still play Florida <laughs> State every year, which now isn't really Louisville and the Florida State isn't looking that bad. But in years past, that was a big roadblock. I mean, Syracuse could very much be in the driver's seat. If they were playing in the ACC Coastal, I think it's better that they play in the Atlantic, honestly, uh, because you get so much more competition and you have more opportunities for impressive wins that get you into the top 20 in the CFP. Just to look, a quick peek under the curtain to next year, you've got Florida State and Louisville. Those are both road games. So if they continue to be down, that's an area that Syracuse could perform in on the road, pick up those wins. You get Clemson at home, you know. Let's let's worry about this season first, but next year that looks to be favorable right now on the schedule with those teams down. And the ACC is such a joke. It, it it's just a joke right it's now. Not, it is not good this and, year. And you know, no offense to Syracuse, no offense to Virginia, no offense to Boston College, to have these teams as the next best behind Clemson is really a tough look for the ACC. Not that it's these teams are bad, it's a really but they're not year. great. These teams are still on the rise, so to speak. And they've gotten a couple of breaks. So many teams lost in the top 25. That's why Syracuse sits at 19 in the CFP, which is great for them. It's great for the program. But they're not at the point yet where they can be considered top tier of the ACC. If you want to say three tiers, the top, middle, and the bottom, as you started this year on the bottom, now they're crawling up to the middle. I'm not going to say they're there yet. Well, Depending the on is, how they finish the this season, this we'll learn. System, with this tier system, there's only one top-tier team in the ACC. There's, there's only, only one. one, and it's Clemson. And there's no one even close. It really, it, Clemson is just, I know Syracuse only lost by four, whatever. Clemson is a much better football team than Syracuse is. That's just the fact of the matter. That was their Even first, they have looked bad at right, times they haven't this year. Looked, I mean, they haven't looked fantastic. They're my national championship pick, and I don't feel great about that right now. I wouldn't feel great about it. There are a lot of good football teams. There are, right and now. Clemson has shown Alabama. At times that I mean, they're Alabama looks good. Alabama looks better than any other team in the country, and it's not even close. Big matchup with LSU and the SEC. That is a crazy top four matchup. Who's going to win that Talk one? Talk about playoff impl- implications. If Alabama one day Syracuse fans, it'll be Syracuse and Florida State. Top four about in the, the Carrier Dome. That would be. I mean, that would be absolutely incredible. Imagine the atmosphere. For a top five matchup with Florida State, or let's with get Clemson. fifty thousand in the dome. Can we do that, please? Not it's this been week. since nineteen eighty. Yeah, it's a problem. The dome was show sold out, out in nineteen eighty, and it hasn't out. gotten back there since. Next year, I think we've got a shot at that. Anyway, we'll see. 
But let's look forward a little bit to the rest of the schedule here for Syracuse. You've got Wake Forest today. We're both picking them to win that game. Next week, you've got Louisville. Let's play everyone's favorite game. Louisville, that's a win. I think it's a win as well. 8-2 going into Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame is one of the best teams in the country. Uh, That's been reflected in the way they've played this season. They've got a better quarterback than they started the season with. They have got two lethal running backs, and they have an excellent defensive line that is going to wreak havoc on whatever the quarterback is. So what you're saying is a loss. Loss, yes. I don't think Syracuse beats... Notre Dame. I think it's going to be a closer game than some might think, considering Notre Dame I think it's Dame two touchdowns, so and I think Boston College is around a touchdown, 10 points, and I think Syracuse loses and finishes out the season at 8-4. and four. I have been really high on this Boston College football team throughout the season, but they're still playing without their best player. A.J. Dillon, as far as I know, is still hurt and is still trying to come back from injury. And he's their best player, and he's he. I mean, he thrashed Syracuse last week or last week, last season. In the if Dome. he's in the game, it's over. That's my take because I think Syracuse is going to struggle against the run against these teams in November. Well, it's also because Boston College, thought. Boston College might have one of the best offensive lines in the country. Well, it's O line U, of course. We've talked about that before. I've talked about it before, certainly. Little soft spot for the Boston College offensive line. And guess what doesn't bode well when you can't stop the run? Going up against O line U. Going up against O line U and probably some pretty terrible weather in the middle of November in Massachusetts. I'm from Massachusetts. November weather in Massachusetts, it ain't pretty. It's not the Carrier Dome anymore. I'm going to say Syracuse beats Boston College in that game. Wow, nine wins for you. Nine wins. I mean. I had them at eight wins after the bye pigs week. Pigs are flying. I didn't, I didn't. Pigs are already flying. Pigs are actually already flying in Central New York. I had them at eight wins after the bye week because I didn't think they would beat NC State. But now that they beat NC State, give me nine wins for Syracuse. I really like what this football team is doing. And moving moving a little bit ahead now to the bowl game. There are a couple of different options. You know, Tim Leonard wrote a great piece this week. Likely bowl games for SU. Check that out on OrangeFizz.net as well as now theorangefizz.com brand new website for us it's the same website just with a different url a commercial address but still theorangefizz.com that's big time or Thanks, orangefizz.net shout out to damon amendolara as always the vader the to the fizz vader death star the <laughs> every time i think of da i just think of his fizz bio and i just think the vader to the fizz death star Fantastic job by him, as always, uh, putting us in great spots to be able to go to all these games, be able to cover all these games. Uh, we want to thank him. We, I don't think he gets enough credit for what he does, so we want to thank him. And, of course, the URL is really a, a small thing, but it's still cool to be able to give him a debut, follow uh, at DA on CBS on Twitter. Great follow on Twitter. Very entertaining content, always. But now you look at this bowl game situation. Uh, as I said, Tim Leonard wrote a piece on it. You can look at the pinstripe bowl as an option. I know Syracuse fans love that pinstripe bowl field because of that West Virginia game when they were still in the Big or was that maybe yeah I think they were still in the Big East when they played in that game against West Virginia. Um, but then there are a couple of other options: the Hyundai Sun Bowl in El Paso is an option, the Gator, uh, the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, which I'm pretty sure is in Jacksonville. Maybe um, you've also got the there's a lot World of options: bowl. Texas, El Paso, Detroit. There's a lot of options. Music City Bowl in Nashville, Nashville, another possibility. Charlotte for the Belk Bowl. There are a lot of options. So Syracuse fans, start saving up the frequent flyer miles because you might be heading across the country 
which is not something we would have been probably saying at the beginning of the season. There's a lot to like about this Syracuse football team, a lot of positivity going into this game against Wake Forest. Today, Hop and I both have wins. You can check out all of our predictions on orangefizz.net. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on Fizz Radio. When we come back, Syracuse basketball. Only under a week away, only a couple of days away. Home opener against Eastern Washington on Tuesday. We'll break down the team and its newest commit here on Fizz Radio. All right, folks, we talked a lot of Syracuse football here on Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Now it's time for a little Syracuse basketball just a couple of days away. The Season turf turns into the hardwood. Season opener in the Carrier Dome, Eastern it's Washington on Tuesday. Syracuse 2-0 in the preseason, two exhibition games, a win over the wow, College of St. 2-0 in the preseason. Woo! Over the Moines Dolphins, both by 30-plus points. But they looked good. They looked really, really Final good. Final four yet? Oh, we're ar- it's already a lot. By the Have way, Tyus Battle, bracket? he lost all his talent over the offseason. Okay, let's relax. <laughs> I'm kidding because okay, that's a ridiculous good. take yes. <laughs> that a staff member of ours put out on Twitter, not necessarily saying that, but he wanted to gauge the audience. And right. I think... Tyus Battle has struggled, certainly, but let's face it, they're without a point guard. Tyus is forced to play the ball, and he's better off of it. He's not a, he's not a point guard. No, it's, it's just not who he is. Think about how different a point guard is from a shooting guard. They're completely different. He doesn't have the ball skills to be a point guard or the distribution skills, but that's not what he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be one of the best scoring guards in the country, and that's what he's going to be. And at the same time, yeah, he looked really Really not great against. It's Saint not Rose. helping though. It's not helping that he can't get his normal reps right now. Right. That that's part. Yes. Tough. It's a it, it's it a could problem. Could take him a while, but at the same time, he could go for thirty on Tuesday. There's also plenty of time for him <laughs> to get adjusted because this team looks great. But going back to Tyus, you know he he's a player that you like. You said needs to not have the ball in his hands. You want him to be a scoring guard. And yeah, he did not look great against St. Rose. And he didn't score all that much against LeMoyne, but I think he shot something like 4 of 7 from the field against LeMoyne after shooting, I think, 1 of 10 from the field against St. Rose. So his shot selection was a little bit better, obviously. He didn't try any of those crazy leaners off the glass or anything like that. So I would not worry about Tyus Battle. I don't even think that's much of a talking point with this Syracuse team. He is going to be good. He was a preseason All-American, according to ESPN. First team All-American. He's going to be a great basketball player. He is a great basketball player. He is going to be one of the top guys on this team for Syracuse moving forward. What I do want to talk about is how about the newbies on this basketball team, especially Elijah Hughes. He's a guy within the program that a lot of people think might be one of the more talented players on the team, and he's showing it early on. 19 points in exhibition number one against St. Rose, 21 points against LeMoyne earlier this week. He's shooting it at an incredible clip. He's looking great from beyond the arc. He looks like a great defender. He's already had a couple of, uh, I guess you could call him pick and slams. It really doesn't have the same. He's good at basketball. How about that? He's a talented offensive player, which Syracuse at times lacked last season. And people told us this guy's the best offensive player on the team, and he's having to sit out because he transferred. Now we've got him on this Syracuse team, plus a more experienced O'Shea Brissett, a more experienced battle. And Buddy Beheim, who can light it up. So I think that's the difference. We know the defense is going to be good. They have the personnel to dominate in the 2-3 zone, and we'll see if they use the press, how often they use it. But the offense should be much, much improved. And I think, I don't think you'll that's be seeing, so necessary. Right. I don't think you'll be seeing many 53-point games, 55-point games from the Syracuse offense this season. Yes, it's the preseason, but you put up 80 and 89 
one of your best players is out with an injury, probably two of your best players, and Frank Howard and Jalen Carey. Your best player is playing out of position with the ball in his hands in a position he's not comfortable with. So there goes a, a couple of really important scores. Pascal Chukwu isn't going to score much. Marek Dolajai looked better against Lemoyd in terms of offense than he did against St. Rose, but he's not going to score much. You're still not getting this entire Syracuse basketball team right now, and you're still putting up 80-plus points. Yeah, it's against D2 schools, but it's also against D2 schools. One made the NCAA tournament, one went all the way to the Elite Eight in the NC in the Division II NCAA tournament. So they're two of the upper echelon. Listen, Beheim said it. They look good. He complimented the, the team fact with a lot to work on. And the fact that he's he saying he that it's good is actually crazy because when was the last time – you heard Jim Beheim go, oh, yeah, I thought we looked pretty good. I thought we looked great. He's optimistic. He says he's liked what he's seen from Buddy and Elijah and all the new guys, Jalen, who, of course, is injured right now. But he's going to come back soon. And Howard Washington, you never know. I think a lot of people are counting Howard Washington out. Well, he's got a shot a lot... to earn minutes, though. Give him a shot. A shot. It's a small shot because you're loaded at point guard between Frank Howard and Jalen Carey. Those guys are both going to demand just based on talent alone. Uh, some minutes because I really think by the end of the season we could see Jalen Carey in the starting point guard position. That's a little bit uh, premature maybe and a little bit looking forward a bit that too much. That is a bit premature. But I want to ask you, one thing you've learned from the preseason, what is it? Your biggest takeaway? That Buddy Beheim is going to be the secret sauce for the Syracuse offense. He is an unbelievable shooter. I mean, he is lights out from every single spot beyond the arc. That was the biggest problem for Syracuse last year. Your leading three-point shooter was O'Shea Brissett, who is not a three-point shooter, is not a volume shooter, and he only shot like 33% from beyond the arc. Buddy Beheim is going to shoot, I think, somewhere around the 40% mark from beyond the arc, maybe even a little bit higher this season. And a lot of people, uh, and me included, uh, at maybe even before this season, maybe when he first committed, thought, okay, he's going to redshirt. Jim's going to get him for five years instead of four. You, you're not redshirting him anymore. You're not even going to come close to that. He is the secret sauce that is going to make this offense go as the season progresses because you need to shoot the three ball in today's game of basketball, whether it be the college level or the NBA level or the high school level or the rec league level. You've got to shoot the basketball. Syracuse struggled to do that, and Buddy Beheim is your best pure shooter. To me, he kind of profiles, I'm not calling him J.J. Redick, but in the way this Syracuse offense is going to operate with as many ball-dominant scoring guards as you have, with with Tyus Battle and with Elijah Hughes and then O'Shea Brissett factoring in the forward position, he's going to be the guy that comes off the bench and shoots the lights out. He's going to have probably at least one 25-point game this season just because he shoots the ball well. That's what I learned, too. Offense is going to be better. Now, the one negative thing I learned, yes, no more of that terrible brand of basketball that we had to watch We can't last watch year. that anymore. It Thank somehow you, Thank made you, it to the Sweet 16. Anyways, what I learned was rebounding, and I hate to sound like this guy that's sounding off after one poor rebounding game, but when you look at this lineup, like you just said, it's all these offensive-minded wing players. How is that going to hurt Syracuse on the boards? Because Pascal Chukwu is certainly not the best big man in terms of really anything. I mean, I hate to bash on him, but in terms of rebounding, he's, he's going to face, face some more physical players. And you right. know that. Everyone knows that. So what happens if he's getting dominated by a big and then you've got Brissett, Hughes, and Battle in there? 
you know, do you need to get Mark Dolezal in the game? And that's I'm not sure that you know, I'm not sure what the starting lineup is going to be. Not the one that he starts with, but what's he going to finish with? Because right. we saw that be drastically it, it, different right. this year. Mm-hmm. I think Dolezal is in your starting lineup. I don't know about that, but just because he's going to take up one of your forward spots, and Coach Beheim has said on multiple occasions that Elijah Hughes is going to play forward in this system. I don't see a, a, a scenario where you don't start Elijah Hughes. The one thing I will say about the rebounding from the LeMoyne game was the fact that O'Shea Brissett only had two rebounds. That's almost never going to happen. I mean, he's going to be a, a nearly a double-double machine all season long. I wouldn't be super worried about the rebounding. We'll have to wait and see how that goes moving forward. But we talked a little bit about this year's team. How about the team that's going to be your fourth commitment in the class of 2019, dropping down Quincy. on Halloween night, Quincy Guerriere, the Canadian phenom, number one player in Canada. Sound like somebody we know on this Syracuse basketball Sounds team? Sounds like a guy that you're very in on, O'Shea, O'Shea Brissett. And O'Shea had a lot of great from things. The start. Right. I have been in on O'Shea. I think he didn't just get Just like I was out on Louisville football. Well, that's just a <laughs> conversation for another time and place. But going back to Quincy Guerriere, O'Shea, after the game on Wednesday, had a lot of great things to say about Guerriere. said he's a great shooter, and he said, you're going to be surprised. He said, you guys are going to be surprised when he steps on Jim Beheim court for the first time in the Carrier Dome in one season, I guess next year, you're going to be surprised because he's going to be a very good basketball player. And with all the hype that's surrounding O'Shea, you think he might go to the NBA draft. He almost did after his freshman season. Not almost, but there was a lot of speculation. You figure he probably goes to the draft after this year as long as he stays healthy and plays well. Guess who's going to slot right on in? He's a little bit smaller, Gary Ayer is, but he's a better shooter than O'Shea. He could slot right into that small forward position. He's a really intriguing prospect coming up from north of the border. He also says Canada loves the Cuse. He does say that. A lot of Canadians, Tyler Ennis, Howard Washington spent some time in Canada, although he's from Buffalo, O'Shea, now Quincy Guerrier. How about this recruiting class, though? And I know we're going to touch on it next segment in Fizz Feedback, so don't go anywhere. We've got you till 10 o'clock. But this is a class that a lot of people like. It's a class that I like, too, because it's spread out. There's a lot of different mm-hmm. kind There's of balance. players. There's balance. There is balance. You're still missing that Isaiah Stewart. Ooh. Hate to name drop him, but... Hey, not, Syracuse is still in the I'd top I'd be surprised six. If, if, if Syracuse gets Stewart. Wow, this would be, be one of the best recruiting, recruiting classes in a, in a long time. Mm-hmm. Much better than even last year's class, which was strong. Maybe not if Baisley had come, but it's still strong without him. We'll see. There's a lot to be excited. That's what's crazy right now, too, is that these teams, football and basketball, they're trending in the right direction. And Jim Beheim says he has no plans to leave as long as he's winning games. So he actually said, as long as we're winning games, which is great. Him and his whole coaching staff and the program. And his son. He's, he's not going to stay. Listen, he's not going to leave until Buddy's graduated. And no one's going to want him to leave as long as they're winning. If they're winning basketball games, that's how you keep your keep job. Keep in mind, that's too, the, the narrative the is totally different if they miss the tournament and don't go to the Sweet 16. Well. It's sports. That's well, what's crazy about <laughs> that's it. That's crazy, but we'll have to wait and see. Right now, they're looking like a really great basketball team, ranked 16th in the AP Top 25 poll in the preseason and have a lot of room to grow and a lot of talent to grow with it. All right, one last break here on Fizz Radio. When we come back, it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. Fizz Feedback is on the other side on the Score 1260. Wrapping things up here on Fizz Radio on the Score 1260, J.D. Rachi alongside Jonathan Hoppy and Hop. It is time for everybody's favorite segment of the week. It's Fizz, Fizz Feedback. Feedback. 
He had a couple of polls go out before the show today. The first one was, which bowl game would you most like to see Syracuse play in this season? We have the options of the Pinstripe Bowl, the Camping World Bowl, the Sun Bowl, and the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. And the winner of that poll was the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl at 42%. But we also had a couple of optimistic folks in the comments section of this tweet. They said Fiesta or Peach Bowl. Which is very bold because those are those are two games that are certified are for six the bowls. upper echelon. You don't have to be in the top four. Well, but if that's you're in a the top long four, shot. You, you got to be a top ten. That's a team. long shot. You've got to be a top ten, and they'd have to run the table and do so with authority. So right. let's get turn those lights off, if you will. That that's not going to happen. <laughs> but what we will say is. I think the music's anywhere but the pinstripe bowl. That's my take. I, I, you don't, don't want to play right. at Yankee Stadium twice, twice in, in a season. It ruins you the magic of it. You just don't want to do it. It ruins the magic Spread of the it. love around other parts of the nation. It doesn't seem like that's going to be a, a, a destination for Syracuse. At least I, I would hope it wouldn't because I think this Syracuse football team is going to be good enough at the end of the year where they have a couple of offers on the table. And and I just don't – I understand keeping it in front of your hometown fans, you know, New York's college team, all that jazz – but at the same time, let these kids travel. Let your program get noticed on a bigger level than just the pinstripe bowl. Get your program in front of recruits in the southern states. There are a lot of advantages to not playing in the pinstripe bowl. I'm not saying don't play in it if it's your only option. Obviously, oh, you're well, play of in course. A, well, not the only option. But if it's your best option, take it. I think you'll have better options, though. I would like to see them play something in maybe the Sun Bowl. Maybe start to get their message out in the Texas area of things. Or maybe somewhere in Florida. Uh, the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, as well as the Camping World Bowl, I think are both in Florida this season. Another one of the Fizz Feedback questions today, which recruit in the class of 2019 are you most excited to see at Syracuse? They've now got four recruits in the class of 2019. you got Quincy Guerriere, the, Canada, the Canadian small four that just committed on Wednesday. Bryson Gadeen, who was your only recruit for quite a while. He committed at the in the fall of last year. Long time ago. Joe That's Girard third, the local boy, the 50-point scorer from Glens Falls, and then John Bull, a Jacques, a big man, that is going to be coming in for Syracuse What are our very own well. Drew Carter? What do you say about our very Joe Girard? Drew, Drew Carter. I'm assuming voted for Joe Girard in this poll, but our very own Drew Carter tweeted, Joe Girard the 30 points per game. So instead of Joe Girard the third, Joe Girard the thirty points per game. I don't uh, know if that's sarcasm or not, because so many people in CNY are obsessed, obsessed with this guy with because he's a local kid, so to speak. And the poll reflects it. Fifty-three percent of Fizz Nation is most excited to see Joe Girard, Quincy Guerriere at thirty-seven percent, Bryson Goodine at ten percent, and poor John Bolajac. Nobody's voted. No, for him yet. I'm not. I'm not too excited about him. I, he's I, he's going to be good. He's going to be he's going to be a four year big. That's sometimes you need those guys. You need Syracuse you need needs like a true bruiser inside. When's Maybe the last time they had that? I mean, Daywan Coleman, I guess, was kind of a bruiser when he was actually healthy. A but, big center, and I get the centers are hard to come by. That's the deal here: is that it's hard to recruit those big centers because there's not many of them. You know, there's not many Hashim Thabits, so to speak. Hashim Thabits, Amita Brahmas. Part of that six-overtime game where Syracuse took the dub. Andy Routens, maybe the best college basketball game ever. Yeah, we Certainly could. in Syracuse history. I don't know. The 2003 National Championship game might have an argument. Well, there. from its own. Right, I understand what you're saying. 
I'm going to disagree with Fizz Nation here. I don't think enough. Number one, I don't think enough respect's being given to Bryson Goodeen. He's 69th in the ESPN You're high 100. On him. He's a four-star guy. If you look at our, our our Twitter account from Friday night, he put out, uh, or from Thursday night, I should say, he put out a video of him jumping over somebody. It, it was absolutely baffling. He's I got incredible athleticism. Uh, no, neither can I. <laughs> I cannot jump over somebody and then dunk Can you a ball. tweet at us at Orange Fist? If you can, impressive, show us. I also think Quincy Guerriero should get a little bit more credit here. But you know what? This is an exciting 2019 class, and it's an exciting time to be a Syracuse football fan, a Syracuse basketball fan, a Syracuse fan in general. Wake Forest coming up later today at noon. We'll have all your coverage at Orange Fizz on Twitter. That'll do it for us. For Jonathan Oppie, I'm J.D. Rochi saying so long, and we'll see you on Orange Fizz.